Welcome to season two of the Shop Still podcast, a podcast for woodworkers and the maker community in general. With Joey Chalk from King Post Timberworks, Jordan Crawford from Periodic Furniture Studio, and Robin Lewis from Robin Lewis Makes. Hi everyone, I hope you're all very well. This is episode number seven of season two of the Shop Still podcast. We've got Joey Chalk here with us. Joey, how are you today? Yeah, good Robin, how are you going? Not too bad, thanks. And Jordan Crawford won't be joining us um, today or potentially for the foreseeable future. We'll have more details on that um, probably in the next episode. Yeah. Yep. My name is Robin Lewis and I am very fired up for this episode. And <laughs> if anyone's been following me on Instagram, you've probably picked up on what that's all about. Today we're gonna to be talking about steam bending. Uh, but before we do that, um, I just want to mention I've been away on holiday for the last week, so I've been a bit out of the loop. Joey, how's everything going in the, the shop? I haven't been catching up on Instagram much. Yeah, I mean, actually, I've been so busy, and uh, I think I mentioned a couple of episodes ago that I've had I've got like three kitchens in a row yeah. to do. Um, my Instagram would be really boring if I just kept putting pictures of plywood boxes up and so I haven't really I haven't really done a lot um, I've got a little kind of table job on the side which is um, part of the kitchen that I'm doing so I'm actually going to be I'm filming the kitchen build and the table build for the same um, kitchen kind of dining room area mm. and there'll be two different videos but one kind of space um, so okay. I'm hoping that's going to work pretty cool but yeah as far as Instagram grows it's just plywood and plywood at the moment <laughs> um so yeah when we're crazy busy which is really good yeah um, and i'm just uh trying to keep my lists in order and make sure i'm doing what i need to do to get things out the door i must say that i've never made such good money before <laughs> doing these kitchens right and and you can like making making boxes and putting doors on them is like a pretty lucrative um, <laughs> thing to do yeah screw, uh, screw fine furniture and fine woodwork just screw boxes together yeah it's really funny like i mean obviously i'm not in control of the market but this year i've really had no inquiries for fine furniture stuff come in mm. it's just been cabinets which is fine and it's all plywood stuff and it's all kind of nice high-end cabinetry i would say but um nothing like solid wood where i'm actually doing joinery which is a bit frustrating but um mm. the money is not in that kind of work either so it, i'm kind of enjoying even though it's a bit stressful kind of enjoying the um reward from it because i guess redoing kitchens is something that would turn over in a community fairly quickly people are constantly upgrading or building new yeah. homes that kind of thing yeah yeah, so it's all at the moment. I'm doing, yeah, the, uh, I'm doing two new builds and a Renault, and then you know I've just today had like two more inquiries for um, renovation cabinetry, and another another renovation with that like a really a house lot of built-in furniture, which would be kind of cool because they want it all in arts and crafts style. So that could be interesting. Right. Um, so yeah, just it just work keeps pouring in at the moment. Um, so good. <laughs> yeah, well that that's awesome. That's good to hear. Yeah, I was um, I've just been away for a week. I went. Yep. We went. Uh, was myself and an old high school buddy of mine. Uh, the four of us. Uh, right. My wife, the little one. We all went out. Uh, did some diving, 
just got cool. away to the local island here. So it was just, it was really nice to get away for a, a week. And yeah. I said to myself during that week, that's it. No, no social, well, not no social media, but you know, I'm cutting it. Social yeah. media, no YouTube, like not even thinking about projects, <laughs> yeah. nothing, just put it down and just go away. And it was, it was great. It was amazing how coming back, you know, people always talk about, oh, I feel so revitalized after a holiday and that sort of thing. And I've always thought that it's a bit airy fairy. Yeah. There's not much in it, but I feel so much better having had this holiday and just not thought about anything. That was, that's cool. That's the key that you need to do is just put it all aside and come back felt a lot better. I wish I could do that. I can't holiday. I can't be <laughs> um, hopeless. I just, I'd much rather be in a workshop. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I think a week is a good time more yeah. than that and yeah you especially well if, if yeah. we're in the sort of the the social media game yeah. where we're trying to make that win if you take a week off and you're a week behind that's a huge hit yeah i think i, I may be on the opposite spectrum there where <clears throat> if i'm going to holiday like last time i really went on holiday we went to europe for two months <laughs> and that was just like completely lost all track of anything mm. it was um I could, that's when I actually having that much time and I was in another country I could not do any work and I was just like focused on taking in as much kind of uh, everything as I could taking in mm. inspiration I suppose and um, so that worked really well but I think for a week for me I'm like yes four days only three more days only two more days <laughs> like, you know, it's yeah, like counting it down yeah but I think once, once I'm away for a week in another country then I'm just I can actually relax I think mm. So since I've got back, I've been working on uh, one particular project. Now to put, put, to put this all in perspective, a couple of weeks ago, Joey and I were talking after the show and um, I was saying to him, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm finding that the, the, the videos that I'm putting out on YouTube just aren't working as well as they used to. And, and something he said to me was, you need to try and push yourself, like show the audience that you are trying something new and you're on a journey trying to to learn a new skill and the the topic we talked about was steam bending and mm. i just thought well that's interesting went online had a look at some steam i saw a coffee table that i thought was quite interesting and it was only a couple of days before that that the modern maker i think it's the modern maker yep. podcast yep. put out the rockler bent bentwood bent challenge, challenge. yeah yeah yep. so it was amazing. It was just planets aligning. So I thought, oh, well, let me let me jump onto this, and started trying to steam bend wood. And yeah. that's pretty much what I've been doing for the last couple of weeks. That's cool. The the first attempt that I tried was using PVC pipe. So you make the steam yeah. chamber out of PVC pipe because yeah. I saw a couple of guys online doing it like that, and I thought that's interesting. They weren't necessarily using the the PVC that I would buy. Right. But yeah. I thought, ah, oh, PVC is PVC. <laughs> Did a bit of research. Doesn't handle heat so well, but guys are doing it, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> and folded. It, it was, for the first time, I had steam coming in properly. Yeah. And I thought, this is working. This is amazing. And then it just started sagging on uh, our yeah. end. The did whole it flatten right out, or did it just kind of banana? It started flattening, but that was right. when I stopped it yeah. and realized. Because I think 60 degrees Celsius is where um, your, okay. waste, your waste PVC gives in. Ah, of course, right, yeah. So I had to put that on hold, and I had this janky, like, a camping kettle 
yeah. on a fire. Yeah. And this, yeah. is, this is what I'd seen online. I'd seen guys successfully right. doing this. And that was, I think, where you said get something with, with steam pressure. You want yeah. the pressure to force it in. Yeah. And that's when I got my steam cleaner. Yeah, right. That's interesting. Um, use that. Because, yeah, they can run for quite a long time. That, that's one of the, the, the main issues with it. I can get about half an hour. Uh, and then okay. I've got to quickly uh, a, at, top it up. Top it up, which is it, it's against uh, the guidelines because obviously now you're emptying a right. pressurized. But if you just if you do it quickly enough, you can get the water back in and then, get it steaming. But then your temperatures drop from 100 down to anywhere between 80, 85. So it's still That's hot, interesting. It's still hot so, in the box. Where did you get the idea of maintaining or having the temperature? It's something I've never come across because like steam is hot. And so, like, I don't. So I do it a different way, yeah, to a point. But um, yeah, so maybe I should run down how I go about doing it. Yeah, I, I wanted. I wanted to this. hear your experience if you've had experience with it. So I needed to do. A, I've had several jobs, which are all, I think all videos where I've had to steam bend some stuff. And so I was really trial by fire, but I kind of intuitively, I suppose, knew that. I, I went down, I, I did think about the plastic and I thought, no, it's going to melt. Um, and then I thought, wooden box, yeah, we could make a plywood box, but it's going to get soggy and expand. And, and I've done, I actually have done some with plywood and it still leaks, very leaky. Mm. And my initial thought is, you want to have almost like a pressure cooker. If the more pressure you can build up in the chamber, the more the steam and the heat are going to be forced into the timber. And, and with the pressure comes the heat as well. Yeah. So I actually have got a giant uh, galvanized pipe. Ah, and I, I got the guys to actually um, put a thread on the end at the shop where I got it from and a big end screw cap. And I just have a hole in one of the caps where my steam, I've got a, a steam um, wallpaper remover steamer mm, yeah. that hooks into one cap. And the other cap... Now, I, I'm aware that I'm essentially making a pipe bomb, yeah. yeah. but you just need to be a bit careful about letting the steam out. So the, because I also have, orientate the pipe so the steam is not dead level. It's mm. uh, slightly raised, so the steam is traveling up the length of the pipe, and the top cap is only just screwed on, but it's yeah. enough that you can hear the steam. The steam actually has to hiss to get out. Mm. And so I'm actually creating quite a lot of pressure in there. Reasonable, not heaps, and but the, some. And the wallpaper steam has got no problem with that because it's obviously not used to having steam push, uh, well, pressure pushing back against it. It's not, it's not that much pressure, but it's enough where the steamer is really wanting, to, is having to try to get out. It's not just falling out of gaps and, mm. and holes that you would get on a wooden box. And the the, the wallpaper steamer is awesome that I have. Um, I, I don't even remember what brand it is. I think it's an old Stanley, actually. Mm. Um, and it takes about two or three liters of water, and I can run it for probably an hour solid yeah. before I've got to fill it up again. But usually that's enough. I haven't had to run it longer than one whole tank of water. Yeah, and that's what you want is that consistency to be able to get that lignin to to the hundred degrees yeah. where it's going to become soft and then stay there. And, and that's yeah, that's what it's all about is getting that lignin soft. And yeah. so, depending on timber species, also de will depend on how hot that needs to be, mm. um, and also how thick your your pieces are. 
Yeah. And generally, if you're bending anything more than kind of six or eight mil thick, um, you're going to be steaming for a while and you're going to have issues unless you've got some mechanical bending solutions. So I, I watched some videos of guys bending 20 mil timber. Yeah. Now, yeah. most likely they have got the best, as you say, mechanical um, uh, uh, sort yeah. of bits in place. Bending forms. Their yeah. steam is bang on. Every, they're, they're using the right wood. It's yeah. not completely dry. It's been air dried, etc., etc. Yeah. Seeing that video, I assumed it would be fairly straightforward to go ahead and do something 12, I think 8 mil was the, the first one that I tried. Yeah. And that just snapped like, yeah. like I'd done nothing to it. And everyone said to me in, in the comments, oh, it's too thick, you're, you're using it, it's, it's, uh, the wood that's too thick. And I thought, but it can't be because I've seen guys doing it. But it, I think, as you say, it comes down to the, the species. Yeah. And the fact that the timber I'm using is kiln dried, which apparently, big no-no, yeah. you don't want to use kiln dried. It's, it's uh, not ideal. Um, I, all, my, all the bending I've done has been kiln dried oak or walnut. Mm. Um, that's only because I can't get air dried. And I would m greatly use air dried. The kiln drying process has already melted the lignin to a point and re remelting it and softening it can be a problem because it's kind of re it's already happened once and it doesn't like to happen multiple times oh is that why you do that's, I've, that's I've my understanding out why yeah. okay yeah, yeah yeah so it's already happened and and cooled off again mm. that's my understanding so if you've only got if you've only got the choice of um kill dry and timber it does work i've done it it's fine i think you probably it probably limits the radius tightness mm. Mm. Uh, but I have still, I mean, I've still done 90 degrees with probably, uh, hmm, what is it, maybe a 100 mil radius or, or right, even okay. smaller. I mean, pretty tight. Yeah. Um, that's with multiple pieces of, say, five or six mil oak. Yeah. Um, so I that, managed to get, I think my radius was a fair bit bigger than that, probably closer to 150. Uh, right. The first radius that I was doing was maybe 70 mil okay, yeah. across, and I think that was something else, as it was just too tight uh, for the amount of steaming that I'd done. It's mm. interesting that, going back to the, 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 K, the cylinder that you're using, yeah. a lot of research that I did suggested that you want the steam to flow through, so you're not really interested in pressurizing it so much right. as long as the box heats up. So yeah. almost any video that you watch talks about putting in, you drill holes into it right. <laughs> to, to get that pressure out so that the steam is flowing through. So it's interesting to hear you say, well, but I guess it would make still sense. Comes out. Uh, the, still steam com the steam still comes out, but I think the more, the more time the steam lingers in there, the, the hotter it's going to stay and the mm -hmm. more it's going to force in. So there's a couple of points I wanted to ask about. Um, well, for a start, the, the grain direction is pretty important. Mm. If it's not really, really straight, if you can see crowning on the timber where it essentially is end grain of the timber, yeah. that's where it's going to want to split and yeah. the fibers are going to start bending. Um, so you really want quarter sawn straight as possible, ideally. Apparently, rough um, sawn is better from yeah, what I've read. Sawn, yep, yeah, anything like that, that is straight as you can without swirly whirlies. Um, what I noticed on my really successful bends is when I take the timber out, especially with oak, you can see that there's staining, the um, the pigment has started mm. running in it. It's 
it, the steam is pouring off it like it's just come out of the oven literally mm. and you can't handle it i mean it's got to be crazy hot it's got to be steaming crazy and it's got to be floppy as soon as you start touching it and if it's if it's not kind of doing those things it just needs to stay in the steamer longer yeah so that i didn't get that get it to that point i got it probably close to it but Mm-hmm. not to that point so even on my successful quote-unquote bends you still on the the, the apex you still have the fibers busting out a little bit you, right. you can sand those down and you, and you, you won't yeah. even see it so you still get those the way to really out. to limit that happening is to use a big piece of spring steel yeah yeah and and that actually stops the fibers it stops them being able to to yeah. spring out and so i, I don't have one because i don't I can't, haven't got any. I should, mm. I should, if I had to do another steaming job, I'd go and buy a piece. But so for the sake of that steel, what you said, spring steel. Like some, yeah. so many people have said, you got to do that. I ended up using yeah. a piece of fabric um, from yeah. a ratchet strap, strong. which yeah. probably wasn't as great. But where would I get that type of spring steel from? Well, I don't even think it has to be spring steel. It's just that spring steel is not going to bend to the shape of the mold or whatever form you're doing. And so you can use it repeatedly on different mm. jobs. That's the idea. It's also going to maintain, it's going to bridge pressure gaps, so to speak. So mm. it's going to maintain force on the actual piece that you're pushing on. So if you were to use, say, mild steel, it's going to create a nice even pressure over the back of the timber that you're trying to bend. Mm. But you would need to force that in with a... Uh, a corresponding mold, I think, a negative of the mold. Not just a cap? Actually, well, because I don't think the mild steel is going to be like span oh, the little inconsistencies. The it's just yeah. going to bend where the clamp is. But the spring steel, you can actually, if you space your clamps, say, 100 mil or 50 mil apart, it's going to take up the slack between the clamps and actually uh, supply pressure where there is not a clamp yeah, gotcha gotcha where the steel is is not is going to stop you marring the the timber with the clamp face but it's not necessarily going to add uh, pressure but it will stop the fibers bending out yeah because they they're hitting so yeah so where would you buy that t- i just go to a steel supplier and ask for a and they'll have strip it. Of spring steel like it should be in a sheet form probably it comes as a, sh- as a roll or a sheet form and mm. you could probably ask them to cut you a strip of say 50 mil wide strip or something like that yeah i might do that because um, the project that i inevitably want to do which is what this this these yeah. fr- these weeks have been this is all just testing for the project i'm going to be bending somewhere in the region of about 20 maybe 30 strips Right. So it's going to pay to have those mechanisms in place, I reckon. Yeah. So are you planning on glue lamming after you bend or just the steam bends it? So it's, there's going to be the laminating afterwards. If, yeah. you, if you go onto Google and you search uh, steam bending chair, there's, right. a, there's a chair that the legs are, are arches, the big arches. Yeah. Yeah. And then between the two, the two leg the two yep. arches is a, a scoop of a chair. Which oh, yeah, is, cool. It's, yeah. I think the design is fairly simple. I can see there's yeah. going to be a couple of things that I'll need to work out as I go, but I just think the design is really cool. It so re- you're going to make a bunch of kind of hoops Correct. and then join them together side by side for the seat? Well, and then they're going to be, be slats, so they'll be spaced. I see, yeah, yeah. Right. But then cool. for, 
for the seat, it's going to take about three strips, I reckon, mm -hmm. to get to probably probably around 10 mil thickness would be it. Oh, yeah, it wouldn't yeah. be more than that. But then yeah. the legs would need to be probably up to around 20, 25 mil. And again, if you're working with three or four mil strips, you can imagine that's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be a fair bit of, of bending. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds cool though. There's a lot of bending, yeah. So uh, my experience with is that obviously people talk about springback and I, I wanted to talk about it because with glue lamb you shouldn't have any springback. Um, you can definitely you definitely get springback from just steaming itself. Yeah. Generally, I've found. Um, but the the gluing up of the veneers shouldn't move if the if the steaming has been done properly and taken the stress most of the stress out of the timber yeah yeah um there's going to be some left in it and um my ex my example is you know i made skateboards for years and skateboards are seven veneers is pretty much your bent wood challenge right there <laughs> um they do not move a, a millimeter when you take them out of the press they're mm. just dead straight and they're bent in every direction you can think of yeah um and so it's the glue stopping the veneers from from like sliding backwards and forwards past each other yeah. that's that's going to stop the spring back and so the harder the glue depending on the application the better that's gonna um, yeah. gonna work out for you obviously in like a chair back where you want some spring you don't really want a really brittle glue there even though that might be the best option to keep things like you wouldn't want an epoxy where where it's going to have to have a bit of spring in it oh yeah so if you're just using your normal type bond which is your type one original which is it's basically like glass yeah. when it's when it's yeah that probably would be okay i think i think that's got an, a rubberized enough compared to like an epoxy which is actually glass hard oh so you're saying the epoxy is okay because what i'm thinking yeah. is you've isn't your your type bond one that dries very hard whereas your type bond three has that's a bit softer i think uh, don't ask me i right. can't be bothered with the type bond stuff <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so you reckon pva when i what i did with those i had two successful tests and i actually after the the um after i'd done all that I, I glued them together and it was amazing exactly what you're saying and i didn't realize this is what was going on but it obviously is the if you took one of those those bends and you put it down so you had the two points on the desk and you push on the bend yeah. it just yeah. it just comes apart really easy right I glued the two together that thing yeah. could probably take my weight now yeah it's amazing so the glue is, is like on a skateboard i always used to say you're not skating on a, a maple skateboard you're just skating on glue yeah. and the wood happens to be there so you can stand on the glue without falling through <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, that's, that's what's really holding true. you together so um, you reckon the, the pva would be a, a good option in terms of that giving it a bit of flex so that yeah i think so um yeah i mean when you want like i did a Actually, most of the steam bending I've done, I think I've used, like I used to use Type Bond 2 back then when I was doing all that, and it worked fine mm. um, for me. So uh, I made a rocking chair, made a couple of rocking chairs, and I think they, I used, I actually think I used Gorilla Glue, the, you know, right. polyurethane yeah, glue yeah. for that, and it worked fine as well. Okay. Yeah, well, that's going to be the, coming up over the next couple of weeks. Um, I put out the video where I, 
uh, that was oh, yeah. just yesterday or the day before. Yeah. We actually just, that was just the testing phase, so just figuring yeah. it out. And it was quite funny, watching back the edit, a lot of the times, and you'll know this when you make a video, you've watched that video back <laughs> how many times and you're just, yeah. just sick of it by the time it gets published. I loved watching this back because <laughs> I've got all the different tests. I do five tests. And in every test, I clamp it down and then I pull and then it goes quiet and you just hear this creaking yeah. as I'm pulling this back and it's just the suspense was amazing. It was so, yeah, it was it was cool. so fun <laughs> to watch that. Um, so that video has come out. Um, yeah, so if anyone wants to see what it's, the, the trials and tribulations of steam bending. Yeah, I saw <laughs> that you posted it and I was meant to watch it and it couldn't because the kids, but yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, so the next one will hopefully be putting all of that into practice with this chair. Oh, cool. So. I, I, it sounds awesome. So how long have you actually got to, to complete with this challenge? I don't know how long it runs for. End of, end of October, I think. It's either beginning or end of October. If it's beginning, I'm, I'm probably a bit stuffed, but yeah, right. <laughs> the end I could do. Yeah, that's cool. All right, sweet. Yeah, a lot of fun. Okay, so we had an email come through from, uh, you, you remember Leroy? We've talked to, to Leroy many, yep. many times in the past. Yeah, so he sent me an email with a question um, that I thought we could just touch on today. It's a bit of a, uh, a long one, so I'll just get started on this, but at the, right at the end is the actual question. So okay. Leroy says, talking about designing, so he's designing pieces. At, at first, you just build whatever it is in your head. Then people might ask you uh, to build a thing and will be happy with whatever you come up with. Then you get proper clients and they might give you a picture and ask you if you could build that in the space that they have. It progresses to you making drawings either on paper or SketchUp. Then people come to you and ask you to build something and they won't have, uh, won't be able to answer any questions of what they want. And I've had experience of this, that drives me <laughs> yeah. mad. They want you to design what's in their head or they have no idea at all. So now you really have to, to design it and show them exactly what it's going to look like. So this is where the question is. How much back and forth do you need to do? How much do you make sure you, oh sorry, how do you make sure you build the thing they want? How much artistic license do you allow yourself? And what happens if you get it wrong? So I guess, um, and he's just gone and say, uh, he's working in three, Fusion 360. Uh, it's a big learning curve, hopefully it pays off. Thanks very much, Leroy. Right. So I guess the, the, the main takeaway is from a client perspective, how do you start that design process when someone comes to you and says, I want a table, but I don't know what mm -hmm. I want? Yep. Well, how, I would how would say, you deal with that? I say, go away and work it out. So you in demand same, some kind of a picture yeah, or some in the idea. Same, in the same kind of sentence, I want to say that I'm probably always a little bit anti the uh, establishment, but um, <laughs> <laughs> the, in my eyes, the client is never right all this talk about the client's always right you do mm. what they they want to a point yes you do what they they want but doesn't mean they're right and i will yeah. always say look if you don't know what you want you don't know what you want you're just wasting my time yeah and something i won't stand for anymore is to have someone come around and, and just not make a decision so that is a complete waste of my time and their time go away <laughs> i don't yeah. want to talk to you um so my, I think I've said this before, but my always my request, uh, if you want something built, like today, lady rang, she wanted a new vanity. I said, great, send me a sketch, draw a sketch on a piece of paper with two dimensions on it or three dimensions even, if, that's, if you can do that. I need to know how big it is. Send me a couple of pictures of what you think it should look like when it's finished and then 
give me a list of all the things you want it to do. Do you want to have LED lights in it? Do you want to have push to open drawers? Do you want to have a lacquer finish? Do you want to have a wooden finish? Once I've got, once you have done some homework for me, I know you're at least half serious. Mm. Um, I'll draw something up based on what you've given me, a price based off that drawing. And then if you never hear from them again, you haven't wasted too much time. Because that drawing that you've done, that's pretty quick. You can knock that together in. I can draw a vanity a box. I can draw it in about 10 minutes. I can draw right. a box and call it a vanity. You know, um, I can put a texture on it and that looks looks pretty good. Put a shadow on it, looks pretty good. Say, it's going to cost you this much. And then if they, they run for the hills and you say, well, that's good. I didn't waste too much time. Mm. Redrawing stuff is an absolute time kill. And what I will do if a client says to me, okay, that's great, but let's change it. Okay, great. You can get, you can change it to a point. Like I just recently have been going through this saga of a job for these these people who are in Australia and they want this kitchen stuff built in Auckland, and they can't make up their minds. And so they've actually redesigned their kitchen like three times. Jeez. And the first I did, okay, I'm like, okay, I'll, they're like, yeah, we we will do the job. We want you to do it. Send us a deposit invoice. And I'm like, well, I'm really uncomfortable with sending you an invoice without knowing what I'm actually making. This doesn't doesn't seem right i need so to what, have so drawings they haven't, they haven't finalized the actual design no but they like we just want to book you in so we can get it done before christmas and i'm like that's great i would <laughs> like you to to have the job as well but yeah. unless we know what we're doing i don't want to yeah. start having money come in that i don't know what it's for um so anyway the point of this is to say that after a certain point and you have to decide for yourself i will tell the client now it's going to cost you for every revision you're going to yeah. pay straight up pay for my time to redo these drawings. I'll give you a certain bit of leeway, some changes here and there, but if you then say, scrap this whole idea, let's start this thing again, or like with the kitchen, let's change all the door fronts from shaker style to tongue and groove style. So, okay, I can redraw all that and redesign what it's gonna have to take, but now you're paying for the time. Now you're on the clock. Yeah, because I guess that's what, that's what Leroy's sort of asking is, yeah. where is that line? Because you're, the client is going to come to you and say, I want X, Y, Z. And that's going to be a very simplified version because you, again, as the professional, going back to this, you know, not yep. believing the client knows everything, you as the professional is going to be able to say, well, that's great, but what about this? What about this? What about this? The client doesn't know any of that. Yeah. So there's that natural progression for that scope to creep and creep and creep. Yeah. So yeah, so you have a you have a sort of a personal limit on when that happens. I guess yeah, it's I think it's jobs. based on the job. Like, how long did it take me to draw this particular job in the first place? Mm. If it's just a box, you know, fine. You can make a hundred changes to a box. Mm. It's only going to take a couple of clicks of the mouse to send you a new image. Um, but if you're talking about me making some kind of like like for example, drawing a rocking chair and having to redraw that a few times then now you're on the clock every time I have yeah. to touch it because That's dealing detailed. with curves is a, you know, not fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, in terms of being creative, that's when it can be tricky because, if, one, you want the job because you want some money for your family. So there's a point where you say, okay, should I just draw what they want and they can pay me for it and it's fine, I'll just make them whatever they want. Mm. And, and sometimes I do that, and sometimes I go, oh, now this job, these people sound like they're, they're really uh, in tune with 
what it's actually going to look like and feel like, you know, aesthetically. Mm. And then you can start making decisions on, well, you know, if we add this little detail, it's going to cost you a bit more, but it's going to look really cool. Yeah. And I think you're going to, you've got to pick your battles a bit where, where you actually put in lots of artistic flair and ideas versus just, let's just make what the client wants and they can have a square box that's boring. Mm. But at least I get paid this week. Yeah, we talked about this with, with Nick in the beginning yeah. of the season about, yeah, you don't want to just turn into a mindless drone, mm. but at the same time, you've got to, you've got to put, keep the roof over your head. So I'm fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's, to me, it's, their jobs kind of come in like, uh, well, there's no real rhyme or reason how they come in, but it seems like every second or third job, they'll be, oh, this is cool. I can really, I can put my teeth into this a little bit. It's going to be a fun one. Mm. And then the next one, okay, all right, fine. Yeah, I'll make you a box with a drawer in it. That's cool. But then the next one, oh, this might be a bit more interesting in, in a particular style. Yeah. Um, especially when someone says, I want this in a style. You're like, oh, thank goodness. Like, give me some parameters straight away. Yeah. It means, yeah. all right, now I know, you know, I've got some limits. But yeah. if people just say, I want something nice, you go, okay. You know, yeah. what does your house look like? <laughs> what yeah. have you got? I must say, I've had one customer who was, it's only ever happened once, one client who was very open-ended, um, very frustrating, just really lovely people, didn't mm. know what they wanted, and it was just a terrible thing to have to deal with. And as you say, just a picture, just a starting point, and then yeah. you, can, you can run with that. Because if you don't, I think if you don't have just a, some, even a hand-drawn sketch that's reasonable and a price to go with it, because if you hold off the price until you've done 10 revisions and then it's four times over their budget, I mean, how much time have you wasted yeah. doing that? You've got to know that the job is yours and then you say, okay, now I need to draw on some details and make sure we're okay with how this is going to work and are you okay with this part of it being like this? because um, you know you've got the money in the bank at that point. Mm. I try to do as little as possible before I get money in the bank, really. <laughs> yeah, which, which makes sense, which makes yeah. sense. Um, Leroy, I hope that answered your, your question. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but talking about quotes, I wanted to pick your brain on this, Joe. I'm having a real hard time at the moment. I'm trying to do some renovations to my house. Yeah. I've approached... 10 different people from builders <laughs> yeah. to carpenters, etc. Yeah. Two people have come back with quotes. The first guy's quote was not what we had discussed. Right. I went back to him and said, could you redo it? He left it because I really wanted to work with this guy because he seemed like a really good guy. Yeah. He just never got back to me. About two weeks later, I rang up the office, um, uh, spoke to the secretary. Oh, don't worry. He'll get back to you. He got back to me again with the wrong quote. So I've just said, well, <laughs> he obviously is not a... The second guy came back to me with a quote and I was happy with it and then he just disappeared. He just he didn't answer his phone, he didn't answer his text, nothing. How how is it so hard to find someone to do building work? I've never experienced this. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny, I was actually thinking about this lately because of how busy I am. Mm. And I was like struggling away through the day and I kind of sat back and thought, oh, this is this is why you can't get a good builder. This is mm. like the the cliche, you can never get anyone to do any work because they're all too bloody busy. And I understand now that 
when someone comes to me with a small job, I've got three giant kitchens on the go, and someone walks in and they want yeah. me to sandbag a tabletop. I'm like, ah, oh, I can't do it. Yeah. And I've been guilty of, in the last three weeks, <clears throat> ignoring a couple of emails. Just going, I can't deal with it. Yeah. And, and, and in fact, I did exactly what this guy has done to you, and I gave this guy a quote for this little stupid box to hold some chocolate bars and um, and he comes back to me and said oh yeah but you need to change the thing you need to put it back on the thing or whatever and I, I was just like oh dude I can't I can't deal with yeah. it if you want to start making changes at this point I was going to squeeze you in I said no I just can't do it sorry find someone else yeah um, I'm just amazed like I've never I've never had to struggle to find yeah. a builder. I mean, so I'm going through the the yellow pages, quote unquote, online. Yeah. Do I just go for the guy who's now got the lowest rating and the least reviewed <laughs> and be like, well, he's my, my last option. I mean, it, it's how, I, so, I just can't believe you can be in a situation where you cannot find a builder who can work <laughs> on your house. I think it depends. There's a few things to take into account. Like one, what is the size of the works? Presumably it's not giant. So there's, I should also probably mention as well that, uh, you know, we had the flooding here in, in February. Right. So th it's sort of understood that everyone is really busy. All the builders are busy because yeah. they're just fitting out brand new kitchens. You know, it's an yeah, empty right. shell putting in a whole new kitchen. So I, I admit that my job is probably not top priority. But what I do want to do is change um, some of the footings underneath my kitchen where I'm right. going to remove a wall which I now need to brace because it's a load-bearing wall and right. then I need to build another wall further down in the house so you know it's not going to be so, a cheap job it's going to be a fair bit of work in it okay so straight away that tells me presumably as far as I think your rule building rules are pretty similar to ours you're going to need to get some plans and have them be consented through council. Correct. And every so carpenter... So that's what you have to do first. Every carpenter says to me, well, can you get some plans drawn? And I'm saying, well, I don't, I don't know. How? Yeah, that's what I'm coming to, to you it. for. No, Why can't they you They won't do, do it because they want the plans to quote from for a start. And in but, fact, to have a guy give you a quote without the plans... I would have walked away straight away and said, you don't even know what the council are going to uh, require right. you to do underground. And you don't even know what's under the ground. There's been, you have no idea what you could find. But isn't there a company or a body that I can say, I want this done, just yeah, make it probably, happen? Probably some big guys. Yeah, but they'll be too busy. They'll be doing big work. Yeah, and, and that's, I think that's where the... the so what you want to do, you need to find yourself uh, a drafts person or an architect person is probably all you need mm. and that is someone who's not registered as an architect but they have their license to draw what you need, the, the structural drawings um, any engineering work would be outsourced by either the draftsman or the architect Right. so, so as a homeowner it's your responsibility to find the, the architect generally you would look through the, whatever, whoever you've got local find someone, they'll give you some pricing guidelines uh, and you can say, okay, great, I want you to draw this up for me. On, uh, pricing guidelines on the drafts, the draftsman. Yeah. Okay. And so for like, um, you know, I don't know, I think our house, a tiny little, the, the little minor dwelling I built behind my workshop, I think it cost us about 3000 bucks to have the plans drawn and Jeez. submitted. They did that. But that's for a whole house. There's a lot more work. There's yeah, a lot okay. more work than our renovation. Um, 
So they do that. They usually, part of their price would be submitting the plans and getting the plans back. Then you take the copy of the plans and you go to a builder and say, quote this work, here it is, email to everybody, email to 10 guys. Mm. Um, Because then they know that it's, they know that it's work actually going to happen. Interesting. If, I just assumed that the builders if, would take care of no, this No, because me. I know here, for a start, it's got a minimum of kind of two months for the plans to go through the council system. Mm. So the, the builder's going to say, yeah, okay, I can quote you, but, um, you know, this work is not happening for months. It's kind of pointless me oh. looking at this because I'm, uh, I'm not, I've got to work next week, not in two months' time. Right. So when I've been... After just before the final handshake, I've always been saying to the the guy, either the builder yeah. or the carpenter, "How soon can you start?" And they've always <laughs> yeah. been very, yeah, like uh, very when iffy. You, yeah. and, and I'm yeah. like, "Well, just look at your calendar and tell me when you're free." That's yeah. that's obviously why. Because it's like it's an open question at that point. They, it doesn't matter how, when they can start. When can you start? <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Uh, that that would be my first thing. So you need plans, and then you need to find some recommendations word of mouth recommendations I would say ask people mm. who you know have had any kind of work done and get a hold of their builder and then ask their builder who's probably too busy who they know who could help yeah I would say or, or go back to the guys that I've already spoken to and say yeah, you know possibly, yeah. I spoke to a mate who explained this all to me because apparently yeah. you need to have a master's degree on getting something <laughs> built because the, <laughs> yeah. the process is so complicated yeah. Um, and yeah maybe now they'll be more willing to to get on board mm. but like if someone came to me when I was building if someone came to me in that same position and said I want to dig out a foundation and put a shift a wall in my house I go great I'll see you in six months because like and by then you will get the paperwork done gotcha gotcha <laughs> I was I was sitting I was actually I was actually getting a little emotional about it because right. I was sitting down and I was saying to Jamie my wife why is this so hard <laughs> I want to renovate my house. I have the money. I want to do it. Why is there this roadblock? And yeah. you watch these renovation shows where... Yeah, you like never see that part. No, you never <laughs> see that, that part. But you do hear them say, oh, it was this big journey and it was this emotional process. Yeah. And I used to think, what are you talking about? You, you haven't lifted a finger. The builders have done <laughs> yeah. all the work. But that's right. where it is. That's all the stress. Yeah, yeah it is stressful. Uh, like you say, you, there are there are companies who would do the whole lot for you, mm. but generally uh, it would be a whole house build. Like all yeah. you would do is give them money and go and drink your latte. Um, They're also and then probably going to be a, a bit more pricey, I would assume. Absolutely, you're paying for the service. Yeah, most people, certainly in our side of the world, um, are used. The owner essentially becomes a project manager to a yeah. point. If it's a larger renovation, the building firm would have a a project manager probably just the builder but sometimes they have a separate project manager mm. and um, they would take care of a lot of that but they'll still be coming to you every 10 seconds with what color do you want this how do you want this do you want this or this a yeah. b c or d um, cool yeah so right. that's my advice <laughs> well hopefully by the next episode I will have found myself as a draftsman yeah and uh, we'll be on this process because yeah it's I'm, I'm so excited potentially what I'm going to be doing is pulling out um, you, obviously you can't see but behind me I've got these two posts that yeah. hold up the floor and yep. what we're going to be doing is knocking out the two and putting one in the middle right which is going to be the new span for the load bearing wall or the, right. the, the gap above which was a load bearing wall yeah right the bottom line is my workshop's going to have 
it's going to lose two gigantic concrete pillars and we'll no doubt yeah. get a small 75 or 100 yeah just a steel post yeah galve post through there so yeah. more workshop that'd space be, that'd be perfect pumped yeah. so excited awesome cool all right everyone well thanks very much for tuning in um, i hope you enjoyed the show if you did please go ahead and give it a, a rating on itunes that really does help us out the shop still podcast is available on itunes and most other podcast apps as well as youtube my name is robin lewis joey thanks for hanging out today thanks take robin take care everyone and we'll see you in the next one see ya